This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Welcome to Rico Bronia. We are fully engaged in the New York Met offseason, the offseason of searching for starting pitching, the offseason of rebuilding this roster after what was a just horrific 2023. And one of the spots where they're really going to have to look deep at either internal candidates and decide how they want to handle that, if it means a competition, or is it an external candidate, is third base. Let's face it about third base for the New York Mets. This position in the franchise's history has been an out-and-out disaster with the exception of David Wright. They have never had long-term security at third base. And don't tell me, well, you remember when Todd Frazier was here? Give me a freaking break. Okay, the Todd Frazier era was not exactly some, you know, magical era in the history of the New York Mets. This has been a position, and this goes all the way back to the 60s, that has just been devoid of consistency. This franchise hasn't had that. And I don't want to ignore the contributions of Robin Ventura or even Edgardo Alfonso when he played third base, because remember, Fonzie bounced between third base and second base. But it wasn't for long. Like, the Mets haven't had. David Wright's the exception. You know, that was the one guy we had at this position for a long period of time. And over the last few years, it's been sad what we've seen at third base. They brought in Eduardo Escobar a few years ago in 2022. He got off to that horrible start. Then he got red hot in the second half of the year. And then we all thought, well, Eduardo Escobar will be fine. In 2023, I certainly thought it'll get off to a good start. He'll pick up where he left off. And it was horrible. And he was so horrible that we could not wait to call up Brett Beatty. And why not? Maybe Brett Beatty would add stability to third base, a position that's only had stability when David Wright was here. And Brett Beatty came up and he really, really, really struggled after we demanded him to come up, after he had a big spring training, after he was tearing it up at AAA. Brett Beatty was bad last year. Brett Beatty did not have a good rookie season. It wasn't just about his defense. It was about his offense. So he went back down to AAA where he performed, and then he came back up, and he had moments. There were moments of positivity. But at the end of the day, a 213 batting average and a 598 OPS in 108 games isn't good enough. Doesn't mean we bury him. Beatty's still young enough. He's a former first-round pick. But the hope that Brett Beatty was just going to step in and take over this position, and be the guy for the next few years. He wasn't able to do that. Mark Vientos had some opportunities at third base. Again, he showed a little bit offensively late in the season. But I think what we saw from Mark Vientos is that while he may turn out to be a major league hitter, 
and he could certainly have a role on this team as the right-handed DH. He looked so bad defensively. Brett Beatty showed a hell of a lot more potential at third base than Mark Vientos. In fact, Vientos' defense was so bad at third base that so far here during this offseason, when David Stearns has talked about third base, he doesn't even include Mark Vientos. Like, he's not a part of the discussion. The internal options at third base for the New York Mets is Brett Beatty, and then you have Ronnie Mauricio, who does not have a lot of experience at third base, but looks and feels like a third baseman. And a part of that is he's a big kid. He just kind of feels and looks like he, he could handle the position. He almost looks more of a third baseman than he does as a second baseman. And the brief time we saw him play third base, and it was only five games, he did not look terrible. He actually looked pretty good. So you've got Ronnie Mauricio, who certainly hit a little bit when he came up. Yeah, a little bit. Had some promise. It was a small sample size. Don't want to get nuts one way or the other. Not going to overanalyze his stats. But Ronnie Mauricio is an option. Brett Beatty is an option. Mark Vientos doesn't feel like an option. But if they're both options, and they're both guys that David Stearns and Carlos Mendoza want to look at, I ask this question. How do you determine who the guy is? Do you take them both to spring training and just have a competition? And if we did have a competition, which we've seen before, the Yankees had one last year at shortstop. The Mets never really had one at third base, even though Brett Beatty was far better than Eduardo Escobar. How serious can we even take it? Beatty was great in spring training last year. He was fantastic. And then look what happened. So if we decide there aren't the external options we like, and we're about to go through the external options so you get a sense, a lay of the land of the guys that could be acquired via free agency, the options of guys that could play third base. And that doesn't mean it's the end of Brett Beatty or Ronnie Mauricio. Ronnie Mauricio can be the second baseman for this team, and Jeff McNeil could play the outfield, or Jeff McNeil could be traded. Ronnie Mauricio or Brett Beatty could both be DHs. It's easy as pie. Mauricio could even turn into a guy that doesn't have a position but finds a way to play every single day. It doesn't feel like David Stearns wants to move either guy to the outfield. So if they're not moving to the outfield, the options for both Beatty and Mauricio kind of fall at DH for Beatty and Mauricio, second base for Ronnie Mauricio, backup shortstop Ronnie Mauricio for Francisco Lindor. It's not crazy, and that's why we'll go through the external options. But I'll start with the internal options. And I'll start with this, Pete. Would you want to just have a competition? And would you feel comfortable just based on spring training results to say, okay, Brett Beatty had a big spring. You're my third baseman. Ronnie struggled. I'll do something else with you. No, I don't feel 100% comfortable with that because I think a third base is probably the, the most significant position we can upgrade on this year. If it was another position, uh, something that was more weaker in free agency or weaker in the trade market, I would say, you know what, yeah, go for it. But I, I think there's a ton of options out there. So, yeah, I, I like I like the idea of having these guys fight for it, but I know we can upgrade more. There are options, and we're going to go through them. Just to keep you in mind about what happened last year at third base, Last year, Brett Beatty played 108 games at third base. He had 212, 598 OPS. Eduardo Escobar played 40 games at third base, 236, 695 OPS. Jonathan Aruz, believe it or not, played 27 games at third base. It's 
kind of crazy to think that. I, as unfortunately, I do believe that because I remember seeing his ass on the field <laughs> so much at the end of the season. He hit 136 <laughs> with a 491 Woo! OPS. It's kind of crazy. In 2022, Eduardo Escobar ended up playing 136 games at third base. He had 240 that year with a 725 OPS. If you go back to 2021, does anybody remember who played third base in 2021? Like, you know who played the most games at third base in 2021 for the Mets? Uh, let me think. Who? 2021? 2021. The year where they were in first place for most of the year and then collapsed. Why am I blanking on it? It's not Escobar wasn't there. Uh, I don't know. And it wasn't even J.D. Davis because J.D. Davis, while he played some third base, was also moving around, played a little outfield, played a little bit of... Uh, not DH, because there was no DH in 2021. So I guess it was a lot of outfield. The answer was Jonathan VR. Uh, Jonathan VR. And he did not have a bad year that year. 249, 738 OPS. Do you know who played the most games at third base in 2020? Not nah, screwed. I'll just tell you. 2020 was a weird year. J.D. Davis. They also have Todd Frazier. And then, of course, you go back to 2019. Todd Frazier was here striking out a million times, hitting 20 home runs. You go back to 2018, Todd Frazier was here doing the same thing with his 212 average. If you go back to 2017, Asdrubal Cabrera played the most games at third base, followed by Wilmer Flores. I'm doing this exercise to remind everybody, this franchise is devoid of third basemen. Like, we just we haven't, we've had nothing. We've had no kind of uh, consistency at that position in a very, very, very long time. I, I, I think my concern about Mauricio and Beatty, it's not even a concern. It's more the process of just looking at games in Port St. Lucie, which I know when we get there in March, we'll love it because it'll be something interesting to follow. And judging a starting job based on, you know, 50 at-bats against a lot of guys who aren't going to be in the major leagues. Now, I get it. How else do you determine it? Unless you decide today, I want Ronnie Mauricio to be my third baseman. Like, the best just make the decision. You know what? F it. Ronnie's the guy. Or vice versa. Now, I don't think you could do that with Beatty because he was so bad last year. To just hand him the third base job doesn't feel like a smart thing to do. Could you do that as a reward for Ronnie Mauricio? I guess you can. I think what's going to be interesting with Mauricio, and a lot of it's based on the rest of what they do in the offseason, is how do you view him? Because the Mets need to add outfielders. Well, there's a way to add an outfielder right now. Like right now. And that is to say Jeff McNeil is the left fielder. Very, very simple. Done. You do that, and now all of a sudden, Ronnie Mauricio is your second baseman. Or you open yourself up to acquiring a second baseman. Jeff McNeil is good enough to just be an outfielder. He is. I think he's fine defensively. And then all of a sudden, here's your outfield. you got four outfielders now on your roster. McNeil, Brandon Nimmo, Starling Marte, DJ Stewart. You can continue to to, to treat McNeil like a yo-yo as well, which I don't say in a bad term. Now you can also trade him. So that's another option for Ronnie Mauricio if you want to say he's going to mostly play second base. As far as the external options are concerned, I'm going to give you names. These are all free agents. And the way we'll play this game is Pete will say, yay, nay, or oh, I got to think about that. And I will obviously join in and do the same. Are you ready? Uh, it's a lot of pressure, but let's do this. 
<laughs> no pressure at all. <laughs> Third base option number one, Matt Chapman. No. Wow, an immediate no for one of the better defensive third basemen in baseball. Are you saying immediately no because he's going to get a big contract and you know, like I know, he will not be worth that big contract? thousand percent, dude. The guy is a great gold glove worthy. I'm not going to talk about his defense at all. He has some power, but his numbers, you know, last year's numbers actually went down, dipped as far as power numbers. And if you go through his batting average, OPS, and everything, I mean, they're, they're nothing to write home with, especially with the contract he's going to get. It's not worth it. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think he's a brilliant defensive third baseman. He's won the platinum glove numerous times, not just the gold glove. So, yes, I love his defense. It's weird to me that Matt Chapman's best season offensively, because when you pay a guy as much as he's probably going to get, because I think he's getting $150 million, if I had to guess, something in that neighborhood, you got to be a force offensively. You just can't be some great glove at third base. And we haven't seen the best of Matt Chapman since 2019. And that's weird to me. It's weird that 2019, he's an all-star. He puts up big numbers. He hits 36 home runs. He has an 850 OPS. He is an elite third baseman. Elite. And I would have traded for him. And I would have been all for it when the Oakland A's moved on from him. Go get me Matt Chapman. Even after 2021, when he had his first real down season, I still would have said, go out and trade for the guy. Because I would have figured it's just a down season. 864 OPS in 18, 848 OPS in 19. 2020 is fine, but it's a short season. Ah, 2021 is just a down year. Don't worry about it. And he follows it up by having a marginally better season in 2022. And then comes out last year, and you said it. And I know he was banged up. That's what I've read. He wasn't fully healthy. But... I can't trust that he's just going to be the offensive force he was in 2019. If he was, I think we're having a different discussion. So even though Matt Chapman is widely considered the best of the free agent third basemans, we're actually going to agree with each other. No, thank you. You ready for option number two? Is there another option in the free agency? <laughs> Y'all, I'm going to name 10 guys for you right now. Okay. All right, let's go. I know. We only think of Matt Chapman. We don't think of the other guys. But I, but I also think it's important to realize that Another thing, in my opinion at least, is I don't want to hand out some kind of long-term contract. I'd prefer to get a third baseman on a short-term deal, help me offensively, keep the flexibility, and allow more time for Brett Beatty to prove himself as the everyday third baseman. Because think about it this way. Let's say you sign a third baseman, any of the names we're talking about. I'm not burying Brett Beatty. I'm not trading Brett Beatty unless there's some kind of crazy deal I'm not thinking about. And his value hasn't been hindered too much by how much he struggled last year. Brett Beatty's still going to have a chance to play. He's still going to have a chance to be a DH. He's still going to have a chance to kind of bust his way back. So ideally, if I'm adding a third baseman, I want to add one on a short-term deal and hope that Brett Beatty just takes the job and becomes the guy. And when we get to 2025, I'm not looking to add a third baseman on a one-year deal. Do you at least agree with that philosophy? Uh, no, I think there's better options in the trade market. I really do. I think so. You're some... looking for a long term answer. Oh, I have a couple, yeah, but we'll get there. We'll get to long term answer. Oh, baby, yeah. All right, another free agent option a guy who actually was born right here in New York City, Jamer Candelario. <sighs> I, 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 I. I think I'm going to pass because I think he's going to get a bigger deal, and I don't think he's worth 
that right now. Um, but he's I, I'm thinking about him. I've I've not a bad candidate for sure. But if you do a short deal, yes, long deal can't. Completely agree. I want him on a short term deal. Uh, he doesn't give me that much versatility. Like, he comes in, he's the third baseman. I know he has a little bit of experience at first base. I love the fact that he's a switch hitter. I think his production last year between Washington and Chicago was solid. Guy went out and hit 22 home runs. Had one of the better years of his career. Uh, I think he'd be a very solid short-term option. But I kind of agree with you. He's going to end up with a long-term deal, and I don't have a lot of interest in a long-term deal with Jamer Candelario. Former New York Met. Redhead forever, Justin Turner. No, I, I I like Turner. It would be nice, like reunited, feel so good. But I, I think that that you're just asking for injury issues with him, and I think you need something that's more a little sustainable uh, for for next year. I mean, again, what are we trying to do? Let me ask you a question because one thing we haven't really talked about: Are we trying to make the playoffs? We're just trying to to have like a decent season. No, I'm trying to make the playoffs, but I'm also trying to short-term this thing because I guess we disagree. I'm not ready, you know, unless there's something amazing out there. I'm not ready to say I'm looking for a long-term answer at third base. I still think there's a really good chance that that answer could be of Beatty and Mauricio, but the idea of a short-term guy is it allows you that bridge until they prove they can be the everyday guy. That's at least the way I'm looking at it. Right, no, and I get, and that's why Justin Turner fits that mold. I just don't know how much he's going to play, and I'm I'm sorry. I have flashbacks, flashbacks of this current Jet season of let's get Aaron Rodgers in for a year, and we'll get Zach Wilson to, like, you know, kind of figure out the position a little bit, and – Justin Turner tears ACL in the first week, and then it's back to Beatty and Mauricio playing third base, and then we'll be sitting here scratching our head all season long. I don't think I want to do that. Okay, a couple things about Justin Turner. He's 39 years old, so he is old. You're right about that. But he's been very reliable health-wise. Last year for Boston, he played 146 games, and he continued to be a really productive hitter. He put up basically his career numbers. Hit 276, had an 800 OPS, Drove in 96 runs, hit 23 home runs. Uh, I guess where I differ on the Turner thing, I I mean, I do differ with you. I'm not signing him, projecting that he's just going to get hurt. I mean, it could happen. He is 39 years old, but he doesn't have a history of it. I think Justin Turner is so bad defensively at this point in his career, at 39, that I think if I sign him, he's going to end up DHing a lot anyway. Like, he's almost... A, a better DH option than he is third base option. And I guess with Beatty and Mauricio, you can almost argue it's interchangeable anyway. It's just a guy who can play third base if you need him to play third base. And then, you know, based on Beatty's performance, if Beatty plays well enough, Beatty becomes the third baseman and you're not benching Justin Turner. He's just the DH versus Brett Beatty fails. He ends up back in AAA okay, Justin Turner is mostly playing third base. So I think Turner could end up being a good option, but could do it also at third base and uh, at DH and not necessarily be the answer at third base. But he continues to be a productive player. Like, I don't see any signs of Justin Turner slowing down. He is 39. It's a one-year deal. It's certainly a short-term kind of plan. But I wouldn't be against it, but I think he ends up DHing a lot more than third base. I got a crazy one. You ready for this one? Give it to me. Eduardo Escobar. Ah, uh, yeah, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, 
Great clubhouse guy, but definitely not a third baseman that we're going to start with next year. How about this one? Josh Donaldson. <laughs> the rainmaker? No, thank you. I'll pass on that. All right, I'm going to give you a creative one. I threw a couple of ones. I'll throw a few more that you're going to say no to. Evan Longoria. I mean, I don't know if I say no to that one. I'd like him a little bit, but again, he's not He's not going to play all season. He's going to play like, you know, 80 games. It's 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 actually, you'll get to use Beatty and Mauricio a little bit more flexibility so it's not that they're clocking the position up. You know what I mean? Yeah, Evan Longoria is funny. Evan Longoria, even in the prime of his career, had injury problems. Not, not all the time. Like, he played a lot. But I think, like, 2011 or 2012, he missed a big chunk of time. But over the last four years, he doesn't play. He just hasn't played a lot. So, no, he's not a good option. I'm going to give you one that I'm very intrigued by. And I don't know if the Mets are going to be connected to him. But... You talk about big reward. What have I told you? There's a guy in free agency who was a top 10 MVP vote getter, is a multiple-time All-Star, and he's available in free agency and is probably going to have to take a one-year deal. You'd say, oh, I'm intrigued. Now, he's a shortstop, so he doesn't have experience playing third base or second base for that matter. But I think at this point in his career, with the year he's coming off of, he's going to have to consider a position change. And I think he probably would because he's not going to be back with his former team. And that guy is Tim Anderson, formerly of the Chicago White Sox. I am so intrigued by somehow bringing him in here because you can't tell me after the career he started to zoom out with in 2019 and 2021 not as much 2022, but you can't tell me he's just falling off a cliff and that's it. He's terrible. Like his numbers last year when he played were just abysmal. Is that it? Like is Tim Anderson done? So if Tim Anderson, and I think he's going to be willing to change positions because I think he's going to have to, I would be very interested. One year deal, play a little second base, play a little third base, and try to recoup his value so it works out for him. And for us, we're seeing if uh, we could kind of find the diamond in the rough with him. Well, I mean, listen, if you present it like that, almost like a super utility guy, because you're right, in in Tim Anderson's prime, he was up there for one of the best shortstops in the league, and uh, he definitely has fallen off, Which and he definitely has issues. Uh, I don't know how he'd fit with this this organization, with these teammates and stuff like that. I'm not sure how he is these days. Uh, was he a team? Was he a, a player friendly uh, teammate? I I don't know, but I know the the Josh Donaldson stuff. Um, so I it just I'm very tempered on that. But if you can convince me that he could take that Luis Guillorme role, like now defensively, we saw he was a good shortstop, right? Yeah, solid. So like, how are you going to sit there if I say, hey, bring in Tim Anderson? He's going to be your utility guy between third base, shortstop, and second base. And he's going to come off the bench when needed. Yeah, I mean that kind of takes the Guillaume role and upgrades it by a ton. Couple of other options: Brian Anderson, formerly with the Marlins for a bunch of years, last year with Milwaukee. Brian Anderson could play third base, could play the outfield. Any interest in Brian Anderson? No, me neither. Gene Segura, who certainly had his moments killing the Mets, does not have a lot of experience playing third base. But again, could kind of fill that super utility role, play a lot of shortstop, play a lot of second base. Segura last year with the Marlins had just an absolutely atrocious season. 
and missed a big chunk of time. 33 years old. Any interest in Gene Segura? You know, it's weird. I've always been a, a supporter of Segura. I've always followed him. Um, last year, I know it wasn't great, but I could see how he, he could be useful with the Mets. Again, a utility guy like we're talking about. Uh, age thing. He's not going to be stealing time from from any of the young kids. Let's put it that way. If he's bad, he's going to sit. So, I mean, that's good. But again, I don't think that's what we're looking for, right? Those are the free agent options. What are the trade options that jumped out at you? <laughs> Sorry, right, listen, just just bear with me for a second. I can't wait till he says Nolan Arenado right out the gate. Well, okay. <laughs> Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> okay. So this is my this is my philosophy. I have three names that I'm looking at. Right. That are trade candidates. Now, I'm not happy with all three. I'm really there's one that I really think that could be potential. But I will start with Nolan Arenado because if you look at St. Louis, they had a very weird year. Okay, they weren't good at all. They were contemplating trading guys during the trade deadline. Um, I know that that Arenado loves St. Louis. Clearly, he signed, he he extended his contract, all that other stuff. So he he's good there. But let's think about big picture. If the Mets don't work on a deal with Pete Alonso, is there a way that you bring Nolan Arenado to this team, make a trade for him? He's locked and loaded. I know he's had some injury issues, back issues, but is there a transition to first base for him in the future? Well, I think he's still an elite level Gold Glove defensive third baseman. I don't know if he did. He win the Gold. I don't think he won the Gold Glove this season, but he's won the Gold Glove almost every single year. I think what would concern me about him is, while he didn't have a bad year last year by any stretch, he could be declining. He's 33 years old. He's getting paid $30 million a year, so it's a monstrous contract. You're getting him on the back end, and there there has to be, as much as Steve Cohen has a lot of money and we love the idea of spending all of his dollars, there comes a point where you got to be smart in some of the contracts you take back. And I don't know if that's a smart contract to take back. He signed till 2027. I'm I'm concerned. I'm concerned about what is he next year and the year after and the year after that. Is he still going to be that electric elite offensive player? I'd prefer to have Pete Alonso long term than just absorbing the end of this contract. Right, but he, but but 2027 is not as far away as we make it sound. Like we're talking about 2025 on a Brandon Woodruff thing. 2027 free agency is not that far away. So realistically, if Nolan Arenado comes in and gives you a year or two max and you still keep a Beatty or Mauricio around, they could still sneak in there. It's not that long-term enough where we're, we're, we're dying on Nolan Arenado for 10 years. Yeah, I don't think the Cardinals are trading him either. Uh, I don't think it's that realistic, but all okay. right. all right. So that, that's first option. You love the fact that I called that right out of the gate. You know, I knew that you, you kind of pissed me off once in a while, but I'll let that slide. <laughs> it's, a, it's 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 okay. It's okay. I know you well. I knew that was the first guy okay, coming. Who's the next guy coming? Who's the next guy coming? Uh, now nah, I'm stumped. I don't know. Okay, good. Alex Bregman from the Astros. Why the hell are they trading him? Well, when is his contract up? Alex Bregman is a free agent at the end of this upcoming season. Okay, so... There is a, are the Astros going to sign him to a big year? This is kind of a Pete Alonzo thing. Are they, what the Astros have done very well, and you can, you would admit it. They just freaking went back to the World Series, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. They, 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 they are one of the most successful franchises in the 
I mean, they didn't go back to the World Series this year, but I right, get your point. Right, right, right. They, they, okay. But the point is, is that the Astros continue to build with a great farm system. They just continue to bring up people after, whether it's Jordan Alvarez, whether it's Kyle Tucker, you name it, they keep on bringing guys up, okay? Alex Bregman could be traded, and they, they seem to be a very Tampa Bay Rays-heavy organization to understand how to bring up and bring in good prospects. I could see them just breaking ties with Bregman because why are they going to pay him? You know why, why I would counter that? They may not sign Alex Bregman. You're right. I don't know if they will. They've certainly shown the balls to let guys go. But think about George Springer and Carlos Correa. They let him go. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't trade them. They got everything they could out of both guys. They made some kind of token effort to re-sign them, but not really. And they let them leave. So I, I wonder if the game plan with an Alex Bregman would be the same way, which is, yeah, we'd like him back. He, we're going to try to win in 2024. So having Bregman certainly gives us that shot. And if we lose him in free agency, we lose him in free agency. Their track record has kind of been... We're going to try to win, and then we're going to let guys go. Yeah, but also part of that is because they've had, like, you know, the organization, the leaders have, like, changed hands the past few years too, right? I mean, there hasn't been consistency because of the consistency. No, the only only consistency is the owner, Jim Crane. Right. That's it. So Right, but what I'm saying is they have shown they're not trading guys a year early. They're letting them play out their deals and then just not re-signing them if they don't. Springer, Correa, Garrett Cole are three examples of it. I don't think they would trade him because I don't think the return that they would get, and I'll tell you why I wouldn't do it anyway if I'm the Mets. I'll get to that in a second. But I don't think their return would help them win a championship in 2024. And they're still feeling like, hey, we can win. I mean, think about how close they came to getting to another World Series. So I don't think they'll trade him. On my end, I'll tell you why I wouldn't trade for him. And it's very consistent with things I've said about Juan Soto and Corbin Burns. I I don't have the stomach right now for where the Mets are to be trading prospects for a guy who's a free agent at the end of the season. I'm just, and that's not me conceding the season. I'm clearly not. I, I want the Mets to go out and improve this roster and try to win in 2024 and just make the playoffs because the Diamondbacks already proved it. Just make the playoffs get hot at the right time. Anybody can get to a World Series. But I don't want to take a farm system that's been rebuilt and trade assets for a guy that I could just sign at the end of next year. I mean, think about it. Pete, if Beatty and Mauricio fail or one of my one-year deals fail or he's good and the contract's up and now Bregman gets the free agency, what would stop the Mets from just signing Alex Bregman to be their third baseman in 2025? No, you're, you're, you're right. You're right. And that I, I'm kind of lean that way all the time, too. But it's just a, listen. It's an exercise. <laughs> I no, I agree. I I'm giving you my answer though. It's the it's the reversal of our the game we played earlier. And my answer is I'm out. No thanks. All right. How about this? I'm going big game hunting here, my friend. Oh, here and we go. This is, this is the one that I really want to save the best for last. It's really okay. juicy, and it comes from the West Coast, the San Diego Padres, because they are screwed financially. Manny Machado is signed till the end of time. <laughs> Go get Manny Machado. Bring him here. He's going to be your third baseman for te- the next 10 years. End of story. And his numbers are always consistent. And he's 30 years old, dude. Or 31. He's going to be 31 next year. It is it is exactly the type of signing that you need. He plays all the time. Am I right? 
I mean, he's yes. had some, he's had yes. he's had some he had a major injury once, but he plays all the time. He's good. I'm telling you right now, that guy would be amazing in Queens, and we don't have to worry about it ever again. Manny Machado, of course. I mean, I'm not going to say no to that. I I don't know how deep the Padres' financial issues are and how deep it would go in terms of how many of these big contracts they recently handed out they would move on from because they signed Manny Machado to that new contract less than a year ago. So are they that quickly ready to move on from him? I would absolutely be interested. See, that one is more up my alley because I got him long-term. I do. It's a long contract, and certainly it may look ugly by the end of it. He signed until 2033, making over $30 million a year, but he is incredible defensively. You laid it out. He goes out and plays every day. I have seen no indication, though, that the San Diego Padres are going to move him, and that'd be my hesitation on it. So, yay, I'm in. Sign me up. Let's go get Manny. As Craig once said, shake your fanny, go get Manny. It's a very different Manny, but still, it applies. I'm in. I don't think it's happening. So with this exercise complete in terms of the big game trade hunting, in terms of the free agents that are out there, it's been kind of lukewarm. It has. There's a few I'm good with. There's a few you're good with. But there isn't a lot of... Yeah, let's go. And so it goes back to where we started the podcast. Are they better off simply having a competition at third base, adding a bat in the outfield, adding a bat at DH? We'll get into those in future podcasts. So certainly improving the lineup, which I think a lot of us feel they need to do, but at least looking at third base and saying true blue competition, Beatty, Mauricio, let's go. Is that the best option? Because I got to tell you, Pete, this exercise only reinforces to me, I think it is the best option. Uh, we, we forgot about the Christopher Morell thing. Do we want to talk about him at all? Oh, my <laughs> God, Christopher Morell. First of all, you know, I, I, there's something about trade rumors that bother me. And I'm going to give you, like, the basketball analogy that's obnoxious to people in Philadelphia. And that is the New York Knicks are monitoring the Joel Embiid situation. It's obnoxious because there's no indication the Philadelphia 76ers are trading Joel Embiid. And so to hear a team that's not as good as the Sixers float out, we're monitoring if the MVP of the league becomes available is like, come on. Like, can't the Sixers leak out? We're monitoring on the availability of Jalen Brunson and play the same game. Now, the reason I bring that up is while Pete Alonso is a free agent at the end of the 2024 season, and there have been rumors about Pete Alonso being available via trade and teams being interested in him. So I'm not denying Alonso couldn't be had in the right deal. The idea that we'd get a report from Chicago that simply said, the Cubs believe they can use Christopher Morrell as the big piece in a Pete Alonso trade. Makes me sick. Like, I, I like Christopher Morrell. I want to make that very clear. I had him on my fantasy team this year. He had 26 home runs. He was in the minor leagues to begin the year. And the guy could play everywhere. He's got a lot of position eligibility, as some may say. But if I was a Major League Baseball player, I would strike out at the same pace as Christopher Morrell. Now, granted, I wouldn't hit 26 home runs. 
I wouldn't hit 250. I wouldn't have an 820 OPS. But that man is a strikeout machine. He makes Pete Alonso look like Wee Willie Keeler when it comes to contact. And while Christopher Morrell could certainly be in a Pete Alonso trade, like I'm good with that, he is not the centerpiece of a Pete Alonso trade. And again, that report came from the Cubs. That report came from that's what the Cubs think. Who cares what the Cubs think? There's a lot of things they can think, but David Stearns, you would be just mauled by Met fans publicly if you agreed to trade Pete Alonso to the Cubs with Christopher Morrell being the centerpiece. Are you bringing this up because Christopher Morrell played a bunch of games at third base so he could be the third base option? Yeah, I mean, that's what they were talking. Yeah, that that was the rumor. He does have third base eligibility. It's so. not a rumor. <laughs> it's the Cubs saying, we think this would be enough. And guess what? <sighs> it better not be enough. It better not be enough. Hey, look, I'll make the Cubs uncomfortable. All right? And I'm not saying they should say yes to this. They don't have to say yes to anything. I'm telling you, this is how I'd view the Pete Alonzo thing. Cubs want Pete Alonzo? I'd say, okay, we're interested in Justin Steele and Pete Crow Armstrong. And if you're not comfortable trading Justin Steele, who got a lot of Cy Young votes, and I understand you shouldn't be comfortable trading Justin Steele. I'm not recommending that you should. But maybe you think, ah, we got a career year out of him, 27, 28 years old. We'll trade him for Pete. That's what I'm considering. Pete Crow Armstrong and Justin Steele, let's go. I'd make that. I think I'd make that trade, Pete. I'd make that trade. I still want Pete, but I mean, I, 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 yeah, I guess I could think about that. I like Pete Crow Armstrong, though. I, I, we, he should, he should always be a man. Yeah. Listen, the truth is, when that trade was made, and I know that Zach Scott has talked openly about it now, was on one of our sister podcasts talking about it. I don't think any of us freaked out about it. I think we were all excited that hey, they got Javi Baez. Hey, they're gonna have a chance to win. And what's weird about that trade is that I know we think of the thumbs down. And we think of the Mets falling apart. And that's fine. You should. Javier Baez, in the games he played for the New York Mets, was as productive as he's ever been in his major league career. Look it up. Guy at 300. Guy at nine home runs. Guy at almost a 900 OPS. Javier Baez was a damn good Met for the 47 games he played. The problem is the team sucked and they fell apart. And Pete Crow Armstrong could turn out to be a superstar. And Javi Baez had the thumbs down, and the Mets didn't sign him. And obviously, Baez has been a disaster for the Tigers. But when you look at his tenure here, it's tough to say that that acquisition was bad in terms of the performance he gave. So look, here's my final verdict. I lean towards a competition as much as a competition doesn't really tell you much between Ronnie Mauricio and Brett Beatty. On one-year deals, the guys I'm most intrigued by only on one-year deals are Justin Turner and Jaimir Candelario. That's where I'm at. So my final verdict is if I could get one of those guys on a short-term deal, fine. If not, I guess I go to camp and say, let's go. I'd have Ronnie Mauricio with a slight edge going in. So Ty goes to Mauricio, open competition, Beatty versus Mauricio. What's your final verdict, Pete? I hate this. Um, I mean, clearly Manny Machado, but that's not going to happen. Um, you know what? I think he kind of sold me on Turner because you're only going to you only going to sign for one year, and I think that he gives you the best. If he's going to be consistent with what he's done, he'll give, he'll give you the best numbers, 
And if something significant happens, again, what's the worst that happens? You're still going to fight out with Mauricio and and Beatty. And in this situation, I'm almost okay with that because eventually one of those two have to take the job. Am I correct? Does one of them have to take the job? Well, you'd like to have one of those two guys. I, mean, I, I think <laughs> ideally, I mean, unless we're sitting here next. I mean, no, no. Look, we could be sitting here next year and going back to one of your ideas and saying they got to go get Alex Bregman. Or, or the other thing we should keep in mind, and I don't know how likely it is, is the Mets have a bunch of kids in their system in a Jet Williams, in a Luis Angel Acuna, who we don't know what their final position is going to be. And I'm not suggesting, especially based on their size, that Acuna or Williams ends up at third base. It's probably unlikely just because they're not tall guys, and I think we've just grown accustomed to that kind of physicality at third base, even though Alex Bregman's not the tallest guy in the world. But the other possibility is somebody in this farm system developing at third base. But I think right now, Mauricio and Beatty are the options. And I guess Mark Vientos getting better enough defensively where he starts to become a factor. But I leave him out because Stearns has left him out. Like David Stearns doesn't view Mark Vientos, I don't think, as a legitimate third base candidate. So, yeah, you bring Turner in for a year where he may end up DHing more than playing third base anyway. You haven't closed the door on the development of Brett Beatty and Ronnie Mauricio. Yeah, I mean, it's just... It's not ideal because I think I don't want to go into 2024 with a hole at any major position. And to me, third base, that's a that's a spot where you need to have you need, you can't have that many holes. And right now, with the outfield the way it is, and third base being the way it is, it, there's just too many question marks. Look, there are going to have to be question marks, and for this team to be good, they're going to have to answer them with exclamation points. And I remember saying this last year at this time when we looked at the offseason and looked at the offense specifically. I thought one of the keys was that the young players were going to have to contribute. Brett Beatty, Francisco Alvarez specifically. Alvarez did, no doubt. I think he gave us a solid, solid, solid rookie season. Brett Beatty failed. And while I wouldn't say he was a main factor in the Mets' struggles last year, there were obviously a lot of other things that led to their demise. Brett Beatty was a huge disappointment. And if the Mets are going to have a good year in 2024, it's not all on Brett Beatty necessarily. It's not all on Ronnie Mauricio. But you are going to need contributions from the youngins. No doubt about it. And there are other areas where they can improve this offense, specifically left field and designated hitter. And we'll certainly spend more time on those other positions. We will have a lot more Rico Bronias as this offseason continues, whether breaking news occurs to give you instant reactions or doing deep dives into positions like we did today at third base. You can email the pod, the Rico B at gmail.com, the Rico B at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening and downloading Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. <laughs>